This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to episode 46 of the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Thanks for the feedback on the last episode where we looked back at the success of the Lionesses in the She Believes Cup. Still available to listen to, so just go search on your podcast provider. This time, the hibernation is over. And finally, we're looking forward to a men's senior game for the first time since Croatian in November last year. Of course, we face the Czech Republic at Wembley on Friday the 22nd and then we're away to Montenegro Monday the 25th of March in two Euro 2020 qualifiers. Coming up on the show, we'll be speaking with Czech football blogger Chris Boothroyd, Montenegro fan Mihailo Glusevic and Aliosa Drobnak from Total Montenegro News who gives us a guide to Podgorica. First, though, Gareth Southgate announced his first squad of the year on Wednesday the 13th of March. As per normal, it's released before a weekend schedule, so there's always the likelihood of players withdrawing for one reason or another. But this was the first lineup. Let's roll through that squad with all the stats that that I know you love. OK, we've got three goalkeepers, Jack Butland of Stoke, Tom Heaton of Burnley, Jordan Pickford of Everton. Defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool, Ben Chilwell, Leicester, Michael Keane, Everton, Harry Maguire, Leicester, Danny Rose, Tottenham, Luke Shaw, Manchester United, John Stones, Manchester City, James Tawoski from Burnley, Kieran Trippier, Tottenham, Carl Walker, Manchester City. In midfield, Ross Barkley, Chelsea, Deli Alley, Tottenham, Fabian Delph of Manchester City, Eric Dyer, Tottenham, Jordan Henderson, Liverpool, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Chelsea, Declan Rice, West Ham. Up front, Harry Kane, Tottenham, Marcus Rashford, Manchester United, Jaden Sancho, Borussia Dortmund, Raheem Sterling of Manchester City, and Callum Wilson of Bournemouth. So it is a 25 man squad. Average age, 24.8. Caps total between the lot of them, 479, which works out at about 19.5 each. Goals across this squad, 44. And the oldest player in it is Tom Heaton, age 32. Youngest one, Jaden Sancho, 18. Jordan Henderson is our most experienced with 48 caps. And of course, in there, the new boy, Declan Rice from West Ham. Zero caps at the moment. Of course, he did earn three for the Republic of Ireland. And Gareth Southgate, he went on record of saying his form warrants it. We like what we've seen in terms of his personality, his character and his leadership qualities. He'll fit very well into how we work. Declan Rice responded on Twitter to his call-up. Proud and honoured to receive my first England call-up. Can't wait to get started and meet the lads. 
be interesting to see the reception that Declan Rice gets should he take to the field at Wembley against the Czech Republic. We then had the weekend, which saw three players withdraw. John Stones, Fabian Delph and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And the call-up of Southampton's James Ward-Prowse. And the upgrade of Chelsea's Callum Hudson-Odoi from the under-21s, leaving us with a squad of 24. I've no idea why there wasn't one more rounded up to make it to that 25 which we initially had. Of course, there's no Lewis Dunk, Joe Gomez, Harry Winks, Jesse Lingard, uh, either through injury or form. Could we see a change at the back? Heaton instead of Pickford? Possibility? And a lot of discussion regarding Crystal Palace's Aaron Wan Bissaka. Be interesting to see what the future holds for him. No Reese Nelson either. But players from their respective teams represented in this squad include the following Stoke 1, Southampton 1, West Ham 1, Borussia Dortmund 1, Bournemouth 1, Chelsea 2, Leicester City 2, Burnley 2, Everton 2, Liverpool 2, Manchester United 2, Manchester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur 5, that's where we'll leave it. Yeah, I don't think I'll be getting the call up from Radio 5 anytime soon. Uh, but on paper, I think it is a fairly strong side, fairly strong squad. Certainly we'll have an 11 strong enough for the two games we have upcoming. In other news, it was announced that tickets for the home game against Bulgaria on the 7th of September go on sale on the 15th of March to travel club members, then general sale 22nd of March. This before the first qualifier has even been played. I don't think the FA will have had my money for so long before I actually get something for my money. Nigh on six months. They also announced the Kosovo home game will be played on the road. This on Tuesday the 10th of September and follows on from the two games away from Wembley last year at Leeds and Leicester. And this is going to be the first home qualifier of any sort to be played away from Wembley since we drew nil-nil with Macedonia at Old Trafford in October 2006. Speculation ahoy then as to where it will be played. Now, Czech Republic. Of course, we played Czechoslovakia many times before their split with Slovakia in January 1993. But in their current guise, we met the Republic twice. 1-1, drawn one. Both of them were friendlies. 1998 was the one we won. Two goals from Darren Anderton and Paul Merson in a 2-0 win. A game that was Glenn Hoddle's last in charge and one that Lee Hendry won his only cap in. And 10 years later, again at Wembley, this one ended in a 2-2 draw. Czechs went one up. Wes Brown equalised on half-time. Again, the Czechs took the lead before Joe Cole equalised deep into injury time. In a game that saw the last appearances for Jonathan Woodgate 
and David Bentley. Let's find out more about what this Czech Republic team will have to offer. Now, I'd like to welcome Czech football blogger Chris Boothroyd to the Three Lions podcast. Chris, hello. Hello, how are you, Russell? Oh, very well, thank you. And thank you for joining us uh, with the, the Czech Republic game coming up at Wembley very soon. I thought, right, we need to find someone with some Czech football knowledge. And you came up on my Twitter timeline and I thought, yes, let's have a conversation. What's, how did you find yourself with Czech football knowledge? Uh, I guess sort of can be traced back to sort of my end of my first year at university. When sort of flush with the student overdraft, a couple of friends decided to backpack around Europe and ended up in Prague, as I think is fairly standard when when doing that kind of venture. And went to go see a couple of football grounds and just sort of fell in love with Dukla Prague's ground, sort of bit specific, but sort of the Czech football culture and just sort of how alien it was at the time for sort of 19-year-old me to be be sort of out there compared to, you know, sort of the British culture and sort of the identikit stadium and stuff we get over here. You know, it was a really nice throwback and sort of, sort of widely different to I'd ever experienced. And it just snowballed from there. A bit more rough and ready rather than Legoland grounds. Yes. You know, less grounds in the middle of shopping centres in the middle of nowhere and more sort of right in the heart of the city. Nice. Nice. So did you spend time out there in, in the Czech Republic? Yeah, initially it was only sort of three days, but sort of, Fallen in love with Prague, I guess, by that point. So, sort of went back not too long afterwards and sort of made the trip over to the Czech Republic sort of twice a year from, from then on out. I see. And so, is there a particular team that you favour and follow? Uh, well, it's Dukla Prague, sort of the first Czech club and ground that we saw. So, you know, the first look and everything like that. Um, also, kind of happens to help the kind of hipster's choice, I guess. Yeah. And that was of course the i'm gonna think off the top of my head now the band that had that the song about dukla prague and the away shirts you're gonna to have to remind me half man half biscuit half man half biscuit who who referenced football in quite a few of their songs i seem to remember yeah it's perfect sort of thing because he's booty or everything there wasn't it yes uh, you've also got the website among skyscrapers.co.uk we'll touch on that very soon but as i say England against the Czech Republic is coming up very soon. I believe you're going as well. I am. I've got a ticket right up in the gods at Wembley. Oh, you're right up the top. It's yeah. a, uh, it's quite steep up there. I assume you've been before, have you? Once. Uh, this is my first football game at Wembley. Went just after it opened for to see Muse. Oh, OK. So 2007 or something like that. So I don't think much has changed. No, no, it's, it's still there. <laughs> Um, well, yes, so the Czech Republic team, the the side was released, or the, the squad was released recently, and I, I cast my eye over it, and, and days gone by, I would have been able to pick out players, perhaps it's, I don't know, maybe I haven't taken so much notice of of European football so much of late, but there's no, it's not a side of Paborskis or Burgers, Rizikis, Czechs, Nedveds, no longer, who are the players here that we should be looking out for? I think you're right on on sort of that front. There's no kind of you know standout star that you would know sort of across Europe. 
But sort of over the past couple of years, sort of the Czech League has improved and there's been a lot more sort of emphasis, you know, on sort of homegrown, home established talent sort of fighting the way through in the squad. Uh, so just to throw a couple of names out there, initially I'll go to Thomas Suchek, uh, Slavia Prague, a sort of defensive midfielder who is destined for bigger things to, to draw out that cliche. Right. Um, Slavia's chairman has been talking that he won't sell for anything less than £10 million this summer, which would be an absolutely absurd you know, sort of income transfer fee for a Czech side. But in terms of his skill set, he's a complete do-it-all midfielder. Really good at sort of sitting in front of the back four and also bombing forward, getting in the right, you know, the right place at the right time. A uh, bit of a sort of, don't want to say it's an easy comparison to make, but kind of, you know, sort of imagine the start of C- Stephen Gerrard getting box-to-box type midfield. It's very much in that, that vein. I see. There's, I mean, a couple of others as well. Um, not necessarily Czech base, but there's got a s- stupid amount of strength at right back uh, as this Czech squad for some for some reason that's sort of no- unknown to me. Right, <laughs> right. Water over there. But you've got Theo Gabi Salasi, who plays for Werder, uh, Werder Bremen, and Pavel Kadarabek, who's at Hoffenheim. Both established Bundesliga stars, been over there for a couple of years, and you know, it's sort of a toss of calm between who will get the, the starting place at right back. Right. Because you're also playing, I say you, uh, I say the, the Czech Republic are also playing Brazil as well in following, is it, yeah, it'll be the following game. Um, so I guess they'll, they'll mix and match it, will they? Um, probably, though I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on putting a full-strength side out for the Brazil game. Cynic in me is saying that's kind of a money spinner for all involved, so they won't want to be short-chained zone of the audience. Right, I see. Uh, and and looking through the side, as you say, you mentioned uh, players there from Werder and Hoffenheim, but there is a there's sort of an, an even mix between home players, albeit they, they all seem to play for Slavia Prague, and then European players. So it's, they're not all overseas, are they? No, um, kind of goes back to what I sort of referenced earlier about the, the Czech League has become stronger over the past couple of years. And also there's, there's a lot more money in the Czech League. Um, we've had sort of Victoria Pilsen this season qualifying for the Champions League. And the money entailed with that means that they're able to retain players for longer. Um, Slavia are actually owned by Chinese consortium, so nice. they're quite sort of cash rich, and they're splashing the cash domestically, and also able to kind of rebuff offers from abroad. Whereas otherwise, you know, they might accept them and you know take three or four million quid. They're now able to hold out for sort of five, six, seven. And, and looking through the squad as well, we've got two two English based players. Um, Thomas is it Callas, one of the defenders, plays for Bristol City. And you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. Is it Vedra at Burnley? Vedra. Vedra, yes, at Burnley. So there's a couple that we will recognise. But one forward, just one forward in the squad? Yes, Roma's Patrick Schick, who is sort of the the golden boy of this Czech team and generation. Made a £30 million euro-plus move to to Roma after a fantastic season in Italy with Sampdoria last time. Struggling a bit since moving to Rome, but, you know, he's got everything you need for a forward. But, as you were saying, there's only one forward in the squad. There are a couple on the reserve list, and so I would bet that one or two will get called up in a couple of days' time, because uh, this initial squad of 20, and there's going to be three uh, extra names called in. As for who that is, your guess at this stage would be as good as mine, but there's been a lot of talk in the Czech press about Leibar Kozak getting the, the nod. 
who is another one who might be familiar to your listeners after his time spent at Aston Villa, mainly on the injury table, unfortunately. Oh dear, right. Because I, I did notice the uh, the reserve list, that it was almost another squad. Got this wonderful thing of sort of naming the initial squad and then sort of naming another squad of sort of 15, 20 players where they'll only pick sort of two or three at a time. Very much kind of doggy doggy in that respect of who will get called up. It's more a sort of who has the best game that weekend sort of gets, gets the nod. Right. Okay. Well, what would you expect the result to be? I'm, I'm quite, I say quite is the wrong word to use. I'm a little bit, bit more optimistic, sort of from a Czech perspective, uh, since Yaroslav still have his taken over. Um, he's a lot more forward thinking and sort of pragmatic with his squad choices, where the previous coach, Carol Yaroling, was very one dimensional. You know, dare I say, he got found out during the Nations League a little bit. And, this Czech side got absolutely hammered by Ukraine, uh, which you know caused a change in uh, managers. So, with that in mind, kind of expect still having to play it fairly cautious and fairly safe. Still expect an England victory, but not kind of a four or five nil walloping. Probably a two nil or a three one, something along those lines. Okay, and I, you may know a little more as you, you mentioned there. You keep tabs on the Czech press. When the return leg comes around, is that likely to be played in Prague? Uh, yes, I believe it's going to be at Eden, uh, which is Slavia Prague's home ground. Ah, I see. Well, there we are. We've got a uh, maybe a, a slight exclusive there. Let's let's move on to the onto the website among skyscrapers.co.uk. I've had a uh, had a look at that. It's, it's a blog on on Czech football. You've tapped into various other parts of of Czech football. Uh, and there was there's a most recent piece you've done is on the on the Czech Republic's second city, which again you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. Uh, Berno. As simple as that, Berno. Okay. And about the t- the team there that only won one major honour, the the title. Is this something you like dipping into? Yes, it was sort of something that's sort of you know captured my interest. Um, sort of telling, you know, more longer story rather than sort of day-to-day, week-to-week tidbits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided to do, you know, that initial piece on uh, Berno's team that won the, the Czechoslovak League, as it was then, uh, back in 1977-78. And it kind of, you know, as you do, you go down a rabbit hole and it kind of brings up other ideas. And it, from there, it snowballed to create this little series on the Czech Republic's second city and kind of, Looking at its sporting, its brief sporting successes, but also kind of highlighting its its sort of constant running theme of glorious failures throughout the years. Yeah, it's a a, a real good read. Um, I, I'd recommend going to among skyscrapers.co.uk. We'll of course put a link to it uh, on our Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, just a, a small dip into the uh, into the world of Czech football from from maybe days gone by. Have you got anything coming up that you're uh, considering writing about? Um, I'm working on sort of a follow up series, which would be Albin well based in the uh, the city of Ostrava, which is sort of you know st- an old school sort of steel and mining city. You know that's undergone you know similar problems. That I would say like Sheffield has. You know there's sort of evolution from the collapse of the coal industry and, and things like that to sort of reinventing itself as a modern 
city. And again, it's got a rich sport, uh, sporting heritage, huge football club based there called Banica Strava, who, you know, could rival Sparta or Slavia on their day, if only they had, you know, sort of the support, well, the support structure from the city, from the board, and obviously going back in time a bit, they never quite had the state sponsorship that many of the clubs had. So again, the kind of a, another sleeping giant at Czech football. Okay, well, we'll look forward to uh, to reading that as and when it's available. Um, I see that you you do post them out on Twitter. If you're welcome, you're welcome to uh, give your Twitter page a plug there. Yep, it's uh, at CZE Football, uh, a reference to the sort of more day-to-day blog that I sort of used, used to do. Um, there's no prizes for guessing what the CZE stands for, unfortunately. We'll uh, we will link to that as well on on both our Twitter and, and Facebook pages. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Uh, enjoy the game at Wembley, and uh, we may speak again come come the second leg. Yes, hopefully. All right, thank you very much. No problem at all. Now, Montenegro, we've played them four times, twice in World Cup qualifiers and twice in European Championship qualifiers. 1-1, drawn three. That only win being the 4-1 result in 2013. Do you remember Andros Townsend scoring a rocket on his debut? Now I'd like to welcome Mihailo Glusevich to the Three Lions podcast, who we've been brought together by a fellow England fan, Gary Mine. Mihailo. How are you? I'm good, good. thank you. Yourself? Thank you for, thank you for invitation, and uh, I would like to salute all the English fans who will listen to your podcast, especially uh, my very good friend Gary Main and... Uh, his allies who will who will come to to Montenegro on Sunday and I will be their host so uh, I think that we'll spend the enjoyable time good and you're you're in Podgorica are you yeah of course I'm in Podgorica I live in Podgorica since 78 since 1978 in 78 yeah exactly the first the first tournament was the world cup in Argentina I see so you've seen the changes that have happened with the Montenegro team yeah, of course, but uh, you know, uh, the, our, our team is uh, is a young team. Our national team is a young team. Since we uh, separated from from Yugoslavia or from Serbia in two thousand six, so well, we are twelve years old, and we we joined the, the we we took a part in uh, all the qualifications for the World Cup and for the Euro Cup. But unfortunately, right now until now, we didn't succeed to qualify. But uh, we hope that the next tournament uh, we will take apart. So hopes are high for Euro 2020, do you think? Well, exactly as usual. My, uh, let's say, the, 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 the life direction is to always be too optimist. Now we are in the tough group because we, we will play against the England, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria and the Kosovo. Uh, it will be very, very, very difficult to to, to qualify, even to 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 reach the, the second place. But uh, you know, in in your life, you have to always be an optimist. Very much so. I, I like that attitude. I like that. So, talk me through the squad that you have. There's a few names that 
I've picked out, uh, the likes of Stefan Savic uh, from Atletico Madrid, Adam Marusic from Lazio, Stefan Jovetic from Monaco, relatively big names that I recognise. Is there anyone else that that we should be looking out for? Not from a uh, maybe an England perspective, but just to to be easy on the eye. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, apart from the three names you have mentioned already, the players who have been playing for our national team for many years, the Stefan Savic and the Jovetic, uh, there, are, there are a couple, a couple of, let's say, the, the new names. The Marko Jankovic, uh, he played for Sassuolo at the moment. Then uh, we have Stefan Mugusha, he's uh, one of the top scorers in South Korean South Korean League. Uh, then the Luka Djordjevic also, uh, I think he now is in, 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 in Russia. And Fatos Becirai, he played also the last qualifications uh, against the England in 2013. Uh, now he's in Israel and he's one of our, the main forwards. I see. So there's a, a wide spread of European nations that, have come, that are coming home for this game. Yeah, exactly. What do you think the uh, the atmosphere in the ground will be like? Well, uh, the, 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 the first of all, the capacity of the stadium is around 12,000 uh, uh, attendants. Uh, I expect that uh, the, the stadium will be fully covered, even with, uh, with the England, England fans. Uh, I uh, noticed that there are around 700 tickets uh, was associated with the Football Association of, of England for, for the away fans. So... Um, it is, uh, you know, the, the, the classical, the, the classic uh, England stadiums without without athlete. So uh, the the stands are very close to the pitch, and it's quite uh, noisy. <laughs> so uh, I think that um, the, the England fans who were here uh, six years ago, exactly six years ago, in twenty sixth of of uh, March, two thousand thirteen, uh, they could remember that it was. Quite, quite noisy and uh, very frenetic frenetic attendances uh, of it, Montenegro. It was. I remember coming to that game and there was the uh, lots of pyrotechnics um, and lots of smoke bombs and a, a really good atmosphere. Although the attendance, I think, back then was was slightly bigger because the uh, is the ground having some renovations. Yeah, there was just some, some renovation about the stands, but not any significant. Okay. It's it's I think it's it's almost completed and it's finished for the for the approaching qualification stage. I see because I remember last time I think England we were allocated around twelve hundred tickets and this time as you say around six fifty seven hundred. So is is that going forward the the allocation for away away supporters will be slightly smaller? Uh, yes, I think that will be slightly smaller, but maybe for for the security reasons, the football association uh, will deliver the, the the less the less tickets than than the last time. I do not know exactly what what are the reasons for for that, but I, I think that everything will be fine. And what what do we think will happen on the pitch? Well, um, even I said at the beginning of this conversation that I am optimist in my <laughs> life. I'm I'm trying to to make an overview from the let's say. The, the, the football observer, not the fan. Right now, we are not in, in the bad, bad, we are not in the good condition. Uh, I'm talking about the, the Montenegro national team. Of course, uh, in, in front of us, there is, uh, let's say, the, the, the mighty England, 
the mighty football football uh, team uh, was uh, the, the fourth on the last World Cup uh, with the high class players on, on all almost all the positions. So uh, to be honest, I will be very satisfied with the draw. What will happen at the end of, of, of the game it depends of the of the first half, because I expect that the England will uh, attempt to score in the first 30 minutes. And uh, our national team will definitely try to, to defend it. Uh, the, one of the main questions about our defense is that uh, uh, Stefan, uh, Stefan Savic, the, the, the last information is that he's injured and it's uh, under, under the question for the approaching game against Bulgaria in Sofia on Friday. So, uh, with, Savic, with Savic or without Savic, Savic is... Uh, it's a completely different different story. The main battle will hold on the on the middle of, of the pitch. We are completely aware that the, the England England national team has a significant number of of the high class players in, in the midfield. So it will be very very difficult to sustain the, the the first thirty minutes or the first half. And in the second half, we'll see. It depends also about the, of the atmosphere. It depends of the, let's say, mood of our our players. And uh, you know, uh, in uh, in 2011 and 2013, when we played qualification with with England, uh, there were high class players like uh, Wayne Rooney, uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, Lampard, and but we succeeded to get a draw even after zero one zero one and zero two. On the on the first half, so I, I hope I hope that the end uh, uh, we will we will get the, the one point from this very important game. So you again for the for a draw. I I think yes. You um, as much, much as I would like to get six points over two games, if we were to get from an England point of view a win at home and a draw away is is always uh, would always be good. Also, also it depends. Sorry if, to to interrupt you. It also depends how we will go on with Bulgaria. If we succeed to get one point or three point at all uh, from, from, from Sofia, it will be much easier for us to play against England. But if we lost, uh, uh, if we lose against the, the Bulgaria, then, you know, our team will be under, under the pressure to, to, to get the score. And if you open, open the game and uh, to, toward the, 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 the such, such a team like, like in England, uh, it could be very, very difficult. Well, likewise, that applies to England as well with our game at Wembley against the Czech Republic as well. If if that doesn't go our way, then yes, the pressure will be on. It's that you are favourite against the Czech Republic. I think that, that England will easy, easy get three points against Czech. Mihailo, thank you very much for joining us. And, well, on behalf of all England fans, expressing your hospitality to, to Montenegro, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for for the invitation. I will use this opportunity again to salute all the English fans, uh, those who will come to Montenegro. I hope they will spend the enjoyable time, and I hope they will be also the comprehend with with, with the game uh, to in, enjoy the atmosphere, uh, and also uh, use this opportunity to salute uh, my friends from London, uh, the Gary Main. Uh, Jamie Young, Mark Thompson, and Paul Mallet, and I wait for for their arrival on Sunday. So I will be very, very glad and honourable to be their host. Thanks, Russell. Cheers. Cheers.
Now, ahead of our match in Podgorica, I'd like to welcome Aliosa Drobnak from the website TotalMontenegroNews.com. And we are, in fact, speaking to Aliosa in Podgorica. Hello there. Uh, hey, Russell. Nice to meet you. Likewise. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you very much for coming on to the Three Lions podcast. First of all, uh, are you a football fan? Are you looking forward to the game? Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for our two nations to, to play. Good stuff. Now, you're from the, the website TotalMontenegroNews.com. What, what is that? Total Montenegro News like started last year, somewhere in the end of March, like doing local news reports, what's happening on Monten- in Montenegro and like what's happening in the capital and the, the seaside towns as well as the northern Montenegro. So basically, we're doing uh, reporting news and guides for tourists, like museums of Montenegro series or budget travel series or five best things to do in each city series and so on. I see. Well, there's likely to be a a large influx of of England supporters coming your way soon. I'm trying to remember what I saw the last time I came uh, last time I went to Podgorica in 2013, other than the, the match and the ground, I was just wondering whether you could give us a little flavour of what Podgorica has to offer. I seem to remember that there was there was a large bridge that stretched across the river and there was a statue of a guitarist in a uh, with a, a large sort of silver frame around him. Um, and I'm ashamed to sort of admit that's all I can really remember about <laughs> your capital city so I was hoping you could enlighten me a little bit more yeah yeah like you're you're probably crossing the the Moscow bridge is the the, uh, the river you crossed it's it has even though Podgorica is uh, quite a small town I mean compared to any UK big bigger cities the main river is Moracha and there's like nine different bridges that's like connecting the two sides of the town so you're probably crossing uh, moscow bridge or millennium not sure millennium is both for walking and cars while the moscow one is only the walking one right so the the monument the monu- monument you probably saw was the monument to the russian poet since the uh, russian federation donated the moscow walking bridge so it's like the the the, exp- uh, the city tried to ex- the express the glory to the big Russian poet through putting the monument right next to the bridge. This was a like a rock star, a guy with a guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite famous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. I'll have to look. I'll try and find it again when I when I come. What what's Podgorica have to offer for for people to see? Well, basically, Podgorica is an old town. It's like uh, established in 11th century. It, it, it changed the, the its name through years. It, it was like called Podgorica the first. But then, when Montenegro was part of big Yugoslavia, uh, it was called like you probably heard of Tito. So it's called Titograd, which basically means the town of Tito. So later, when Yugoslavia fell apart, it's it, it remained uh, its past name Podgorica, which basically means under the hill Gorica, which which is called Gorica. Okay. So yeah, and basically that's where the match is going to be played under the Gorica or Podgorica. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
And the stadium where the game will be played, am I right in saying that it's under a little bit of renovation at the moment? Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Like, the things are almost finished, so everything will be ready since the, the new the new happening and the new uh, League of Nations is under the way. So, like, the, the, the town saw an opportunity and the country saw an opportunity to upgrade the current stadium for new matches that are coming. So it should all, all be ready to go when, when England come to town. Yeah, Good. we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so too. As, as I'm sure you're aware, England England fans and, and football fans in general like to have a like to have a beer. What Montenegrin beers would you suggest? Where where could um, supporters go for a, a pre match drink? So the the basic <clears throat> Montenegrin drink is Nikšićko pivo, like basically translated, that's uh, beer coming from the town of Nikšić. That's a town that's like uh, 50 kilometers from away from Podgorica, but fortunately enough, uh, you can buy Nikšićko pivo even in USA or UK, I'm pretty right. sure, since we're imp- exporting it largely. So on the contrary, like Nikšićko pivo draft, like the draft type of the beer is pretty common in all pubs throughout Podgorica and really wherever in whichever pub in the radius of one, one kilometer around the stadium you sit, you'll have to drink uh, Nikšićko pivo draft. Or there's even some, like, some of the pubs even offer Guinness as, as the draft beer. But, like, yeah. there's plenty of places to, to sit and plenty of beers to drink. Oh, good stuff. And and what, what is the, the food of choice in Montenegro? Well, if you're, if you're talking national food, <laughs> there's yeah. plenty, plenty, plenty to offer. Like, there is something called Preganica. That's like basically fried uh, dough. That's the, the the part of national cuisine of uh, Montenegro. There's like prosciutto. I mean, we call it prosciutto. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's that. There's cheese. Uh, literally anywhere, anywhere where you sit. If it's like a bigger place, you can offer those stuff. You can offer uh, national foods, national anything from national cuisine and. You'll be you'll be served well since <laughs> we people of Podgorica are always welcoming our guests nicely. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Yeah. And as for getting in and around the city, and and maybe from the airport, which will be supporters' first stop, I guess, when uh, when arriving in Montenegro. How easy is it to get from from the airport into um, the city centre and then getting around? Uh, well, unfortunately enough, uh, uh, like bus transport from the airport to the city is uh, not available at the moment. So I'm not, I'm not sure if you if if the supporters will have any organized buses on their own or like I mean probably will since that's how it always goes here. Like uh, they'll have police escort and their own bus that, that they can go and like that should be fine and. On the other side, uh, airport is only seven kilometers away from the cent- center of the town. So even paying for a cab it wouldn't be like expensive since cab here per kilometer is like forty cents in euros. Oh right, yeah, so pretty it's, cheap. yeah, pretty cheap. Not not expensive at all. Hello, sir, from Total Montenegro News. Thank you very much for your time. I'll put a link to that on our on our Facebook and our Twitter pages. I, I just 
wish <laughs> good luck to the both of nations and I hope we'll see good football in March. Let's hope so. Yeah, thank you, Russell, too. There we go. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that. If you are off to Wembley, enjoy the game. Likewise, if you're heading to Podgorica, safe travels and come back in one piece. Hopefully we can, uh, maybe we'll have accompanied you on your plane journey over there. We'll be back very soon looking back on both of these games. And also, I have a special preview to an interview I've done with an England international. That's coming very soon. Thank you also to Chris Boothroyd, Mihailo Glusevich and Alioso Drobnak. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do spread the word, like, subscribe and review at your usual podcast download place. Apparently, it helps us bump up the rankings. I don't know. Give it a go. You can find us on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast. Search also on Facebook. We're floating around on there and we're on all the usual platforms. And also at www.3lionspodcast.com. Until the next time, cheers.